This is a WKYT podcast. Good morning from WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant, and we welcome you to Kentucky Newsmakers. Later, we'll get some advice on coping with these tough circumstances we're in right now with COVID-19 concerns around every corner and the sudden economic stall. EKU professor and psychologist Dr. Teresa Botts will join us later. But first, after some haggling, Washington worked very quickly to put a deal together this week to put $2 trillion into the economy to try to jumpstart things. A few weeks ago, we may have all been wondering if our divided country could come together over anything. And then the circumstances came along that forced it to happen. It's the biggest economic stimulus package ever in America, and it's designed to help businesses, large and small, hospitals, and others to get checks into the hands of most Americans quickly to help them meet immediate expenses. Congressman Andy Barr joining us first. He's appearing remotely from another Lexington studio as we continue to have a social distancing, and we'll discuss the federal response to COVID-19 and what the stimulus package is designed to do. Congressman, uh, thank you very much uh, for being with us. You know, I know that uh, you're getting... Good morning, Bill. You're getting calls as we are uh, from businesses, from people who've been laid off. Uh, uh, some are very desperate at this point. What, in a nutshell, does this massive piece of legislation do? Well, Bill, this is... As you said earlier, this is the largest, most aggressive fiscal stimulus in U.S. history. And it's the third phase of the federal response uh, to this uh, national public health emergency. The first phase uh, was an emergency supplemental bill, about $8 billion that provided funding for the Centers for Disease Control, the National Institutes of Health, and other healthcare agencies, the, the Health and Human Services Department, uh, to provide funding for diagnostic testing development, uh, antiviral treatments, uh, and also vaccine development. We met with the uh, chief medical officers of all of the pharmaceutical companies, and uh, they have really put a lot of muscle and brain power behind the effort to find treatments and a vaccine. Uh, and the sooner we get that done, uh, the better for our economy and our recovery as a country. Uh, the second phase was uh, a, a package for families to provide free testing for every American, uh, in addition to provide paid leave, uh, sick leave, medical leave, family leave. Uh, many kids are obviously out of school, and so uh, this legislation responded to that, also provided more funding for unemployment insurance and safety net programs uh, like the TFAP program for our food banks. Uh, that's necessary because we saw uh, just late last week 3.3 million new unemployment claims as a result of this economic shutdown. And then this third phase is this heroic fiscal stimulus, a $2 trillion intervention into our economy to supplement the extraordinary uh, moves by the Federal Reserve to help stabilize our economy. And as we have talked to the Treasury Secretary and my colleagues on the House Financial Services Committee, market participants, banks, small business owners throughout Central Kentucky and across the country, and as we've talked to the top officials at the Federal Reserve Board, what they have stressed to us is that this is not a recession in a traditional sense or definition of that term. A recession is typically a business cycle phenomenon. What this is, is an intentional shutdown of the U.S. economy by the government 
in order to respond to this dire public health emergency. And um, obviously, we're relying on the advice of the epidemiologists, the experts at the National Institutes of Health. Dr. Anthony Fauci has been a steady hand during this, uh, giving us advice about social distancing and federal guidelines about uh, how we can get through this without overwhelming our healthcare system. So there's a lot of details to this $2 trillion package, but that's the third phase yeah. of the fiscal response to supplement what the Federal Reserve has done. Here is uh, you know, the, the question that is on the minds of so many out there. Uh, who will get uh, a direct check from the government to, to help them get by in these uh, tough weeks ahead? Well, there's really three major parts to the $2 trillion fiscal stimulus bill, this phase three that we call it. Um, first is really for individuals and families. The second is for businesses, both small and medium and large-sized businesses. And then uh, finally, um, help for our healthcare system, appropriations for our hospitals, our frontline medical workers who are doing incredible heroic work, putting their own health and their family's health on the line in order to respond to patients who are sick or are at risk of uh, contracting this very, very potent pathogen. Uh, and so this first part is direct payments to individuals who make less than $75,000 a year. That applies to people uh, who um, are working right now, also retirees as well. Um, but the, the, the conditions are that you have to have a social security number, you have to be a legal resident citizen of the United States, obviously, uh, and you have to make less than $75,000 a year. And if you, if you meet that criteria, you will get a check for $1,200, a direct deposit from the Treasury into your bank account through the IRS uh, system. Uh, if you're a couple, it's up to, to $150,000 and 500 additional for each, uh, for each child. Uh, that, that goes up even further and phases out at the income levels of uh, $99,000 for individuals and $198,000 for a couple. There's also a dramatic uh, a step up in unemployment insurance for Americans because we know so many Americans have lost their jobs and been laid off because of this shutdown of the economy. And so uh, this uh, legislation not only extends unemployment insurance uh, for 13 weeks, it for the first four months provides an additional $600 per week for unemployment, uh, uh, for unemployed individuals who uh, get the unemployment insurance. Yeah. A few other things for individuals as well that, that would allow, it, one of them would be allowing individuals to penalty free withdraw uh, some money up to $100,000 from their retirement account and then be able to recontribute that without a penalty over the next three years. So they would pay only the taxes on that. There would be not the penalty for early withdrawal. That's right. And then they could recontribute that uh, for emergency cash. This is a cash flow and liquidity crisis for workers and for businesses. And so what we want to do is get the cash into the hands of households so that they can pay their mortgages, they can pay their bills, they can buy groceries, they can put food on the table during this time when many Americans are sidelined from work and not able to take care of themselves and their families, not because of any fault of their own, but because the government has told Americans not to go to work and to practice social distancing. And it's also so important that we focus on this second part of this bill, which is 
the bill for businesses because we want people after we get through this, when we get through uh, the uh, pandemic, we want uh, jobs for people to return to. And so that's why we've got huge incentives for employers to retain workers, keep them on the payroll, even if the business is entirely shut down during, during this time. And so there's a real heroic $350 billion uh, guaranteed loan program in here called the Paycheck Protection Program that incentivizes small businesses uh, to keep their doors open, even if they don't have any customers, keep people on the payroll. And we've delegated the underwriting for this to the banks and credit unions so there won't be any government bureaucracy. Um, within a week, uh, small business owners, small employers with uh, employees less than 500 employees, they can go to their local bank. We've expanded the number of banks, any FDI-insured bank in the country, and the Treasury can authorize fintech companies as well okay. to originate these loans. Uh, at a 4% interest rate with a long amortization on them so businesses can get the immediate liquidity and cash flow to keep their doors open and keep payroll. So, Congress, and here's, you're the, saying here's this, the real benefit. This, if, you're saying this turnaround uh, can be very quick and that by next week now, you're saying uh, these local businesses should be in a position yes. to reach out to their lending institutions. Yes, sir. I mean, I would say that uh, for the checks, uh, the refunds for the individuals, the rebates for individuals, that will be a couple, three weeks. But for businesses that need immediately to pay their bills, pay their rent, uh, pay, get their payroll done, uh, pay their utility bills, we need to make sure that we deploy this capital immediately, uh, especially before April 1st or March 31st when many of the bills are due. And so what we, we have done in this legislation, I've worked on this part of the bill, is to make sure that uh, we delegate this uh, and expedite these loans through the banking system, through credit unions, instead of having the Small Business Administration and the bureaucracy be in charge of this. And then the government will then guarantee these loans and, in fact, forgive these loans as long as these businesses keep their workers on the payroll for eight consecutive weeks to get through this interruption of business. Uh, so there's a huge incentive for employers to rehire workers who have been laid off or to retain workers. And if they do that, they will get reimbursed up to $10 million or two and a half times their payroll in order to get us through this period. And then for larger businesses, we have a $500 billion exchange stabilization fund at the Department of Treasury that will backstop Federal Reserve loans uh, and various credit facilities to various markets. Uh, that, that is vitally important. Now, some have criticized this and called it a corporate slush fund, but that is absolutely not true. These are not bailouts, they're loans. And if you think about it, it's vital to, to maintain and retain workers in Main Street businesses to make sure that those supply chains are, are intact when we get out of this. Uh, and 68 million Americans work for large employers. Think of all of the team members in Georgetown at Toyota. Many of the auto manufacturers have been shut down during this period, and the airlines also as well, and the, the hotels. So it is very, very important in order to stabilize these markets that we provide short-term liquidity to get them through this period. And we put very tight oversight controls, an oversight board, an inspector general, uh, no stock buybacks for any of these loans, uh, and compensation limitations during the pendency of uh, the loans. So we have some very important measures in here to protect the taxpayers in addition to getting us through this difficult economic time. Congressman, as you know, uh, people are, are searching <clears throat> for some 
light at the end of the tunnel. President Trump has indicated a desire to get America at least partially uh, back to work or back opened up, as he says, by Easter. Uh, some medical experts say uh, that we'll probably be in the height of uh, the spike in cases at that point. Uh, do you think the country can uh, geographically target uh, some areas and ease some restrictions in some others and begin to uh, slowly uh, get back to normal here within the next few weeks, or do you see this as uh, uh, no end in sight? No, there's, there's definitely an end in sight, both with the public health issues and with the economic issues. Um, but we have to uh, defer to the public health experts and to Dr. Fauci uh, and to our epidemiologists. And I've been in uh, constant communication with epidemiologists here in Lexington who are very, uh, very supportive of the social dis distancing policy. What happened in Italy was that uh, you had a spike in the number of transmissions, of person-to-person -person, uh, transmissions of this, of this very contagious uh, illness. And the result was it overwhelmed the healthcare uh, facilities, and they ran out of personal protective equipment to protect the healthcare workers. The healthcare workers got sick, and then they transmitted uh, the illness, the virus, to uh, many of the non-COVID patients. And so it just built on it itself. And also in Italy, there was uh, a transmission of, from the young generation to the older generation and the more vulnerable people because of the way that society is. There's many intergenerational families yeah. and households. We want to avoid that catastrophe in the United States and lower and bend that, ca that curve down so that we don't overwhelm our healthcare system. And that's why it's so important that in this fiscal stimulus bill, we have $117 billion in more assistance to our hospitals. Again, these are heroic people, first responders, nurses, doctors, who are putting their own health on the line. We're gonna increase reimbursement uh, for the hospitals so that they can take care of these people. More money for telemedicine. And telehealth is very important to conserve uh, personal protective equipment. Faster test turnarounds is gonna be very important to conserve personal protective equipment. And we've been very active in working with the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services to get a resupply to Lexington and Central Kentucky area hospitals and doctor's offices of personal protective equipment. We made a multiple requests to the strategic national stockpile. And in this legislation, there will be an additional $16 billion that will be used to uh, purchase equipment and, and um, N95 respirators and surgical masks and gowns and, and gloves to resupply the strategic national stockpile. We've got to make sure that we resupply our hospitals and our frontline healthcare workers to keep them safe and keep them on the battlefield, so to speak. Congressman. Uh, that's also important to preventing a further spread of this contagion. Just uh, about a minute or so left. Uh, you know, uh, this country has been uh, very partisan, very divided for many, many years now. Uh, and it took a circumstance like this to pull people together. Are, are even you surprised at how uh, the country uh, has come together at a time like this? Well, we are collectively at war against a terrible illness. And we need to come together as a country. And I think you've seen that. And I think the American people have led the way with their heroic response, whether it's the doctors and nurses uh, or the hospital workers, or whether it's the charitable organizations, the faith-based organizations that have done great charitable work, or whether it's uh, all the prayers that are being sent out to, to people who are in, in harm's way uh, and uh, to the patients. And also the, the incredible heroic efforts of the private sector, um, you know, the pharmaceutical uh, industry and the scientists who are trying to come up with cures and a, and a vaccine. 
But look, they have shown uh, the way for the government and for the public sector. And you know, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, this disease does not discriminate. And so I think that has helped bring the country together at the federal, state, and local level. The public sector response has been excellent. The FDA has expedited approvals of diagnostic testing. And Republicans and Democrats have come together in all three of these bills uh, to, to promote bipartisan solutions. And as I said before, a very aggressive response <clears throat> to help people uh, weather this very difficult economic storm. Th this was basically, as the chairman of the Federal Reserve has said, uh, this is the government putting, uh, shutting down the U.S. economy as an investment in public health. And we're all pulling together to get through it, and we will get through it. And I predict on the other side, our healthcare system will be more resilient, and our economy will be more resilient. And I look for a very powerful recovery with all of this stimulus being injected into our economy. And I look forward to that coming sooner rather than later. This is an issue of weeks and months, not we'll years. for that day. Congressman, thank you very much. Congressman Andy Barr, we appreciate it. Stay with us now. EKU psychologist Dr. Teresa Botts will be joining us next with some ways we can cope with all that's happening. Ahead on Kentucky Newsmakers. And welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers. You know, coping with COVID-19, the pandemic has not been easy no matter who you are. Some have been isolated, most have been stuck at home. Many parents have either lost their jobs or are trying to work from home to keep their jobs while also helping kids with school assignments. And there's just a lot of angst and uncertainty and stress out there about where things are headed. So how do you deal with it? We're joined by Eastern Kentucky University psychology professor, Dr. Teresa Botts, who is also a clinical psychologist and her specialties include trauma, grief, and anxiety. So it's very timely we get a chance to hear from her. Our thanks to Dr. Botts for joining us from her home in Richmond today. Dr. Botts, uh, thanks again. What do you say to people right now who face the uncertainty that we all feel right now? Uh, everybody's, uh, you know, cramped up and, and sort of overwhelmed by it all. Uh, what can you tell us to get through this? Well, there's a number of things that I would recommend. One is that we must maintain a work-life balance, uh, engage in really good self-care. That's a priority. In addition to that, I think seeking out factual information from reputable sources is also a key. Uh, but again, in seeking out information, you don't want to overdo it. It's not like you want to spend 24-7 uh, seeking information. So too much or too little can be a bad thing when it comes to information seeking, but uh, factual information does serve to alleviate uh, anxieties. You know, we're expecting uh, parents to be super parents right now. Many, uh, as we said, uh, working from home and essentially homeschooling students, uh, you know, their kids at the same time. Uh, how, do you, how do you balance and, and try to organize that? Well, the key is establishing a routine. Uh, you want to make sure that there's a careful balance between your child's learning experiences. I mean, we're playing teachers and educators and uh, in our homes, and many people aren't used to doing that, so it's a new role for them. Making sure that they maintain uh, activities and ex exercise and that you're doing quality things together, you know, doing things like sitting down and reading together uh, with your child or having your child read to you, uh, planning how to plant a garden, you know, various kinds of creative things that you can have them engage in. The key is to keep the routine in place and to make sure uh, that you're enjoying your time with them. Also learning to listen to your child about their feelings, uh, offering comfort, honesty, and reassurance is key. 
I also encourage people to seek out resources through the child's school or public library, uh, anything that they have as remote accessible resources. Those are good uh, things for parents to utilize as well. And then, you know, for all of us, uh, we're given this advice to uh, come together as a team in all of this, but to stay six feet apart, and that that is so conflictive, uh, you know. Uh, how important is it that, uh, that we stay connected in a time like this despite the need to be uh, physically apart? Well, you heard the old saying, it takes a village, and that's true. Um, we really do need to come together. It's... Uh, in our ability to provide a support or create a support system for ourselves, that's a key. So whether that's through family and friends or colleagues, uh, you know, it's all got to be done remotely, but we still can make connections. Thank heavens for this day and time we have technologies that allow us to do that. So FaceTiming your friend, creating what we call like date uh, times for, you know, through FaceTime or you know, I've even heard people talk about virtual happy hours where you get together with friends and basically you're just connecting. That's an important thing to do. You know, many have uh, lost their jobs or uh, anticipate that they will or their uh, retirement nest eggs, the government uh, doing what it can to try to uh, lessen the impact of that. Uh, but where do people find the confidence uh, to, to get through this and then once it's over to, uh, you know, to rebuild uh, their lives? Well, I think it's important that we normalize the uh, experience that we're having at this time in terms of the emotions that it's generating. So there's no, no such thing as a, a wrong emotion. So if you're experiencing anger, frustration, that's all normal. But we also want to seek out facts. Uh, and as I said earlier, you don't want to overdo it, but you want to go to reputable uh, resources and uh, look to them for some guidance. Um, you know, the, the key is uh, we're all in this together. It takes a village, as we always say. And and definitely if we uh, can remember that and again, uh, seek out information that can be helpful on a day-to-day -day basis, whether it's for parenting or if you're having financial struggles or whatever that might be. You know, in a time like this, uh, and you'll hear a lot of the old timers say, well, they have good days and bad days. <laughs> and I, I think in, in, the, in the middle of this, you're, 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 <laughs> hearing, you're hearing people say that. You know, they're, they're saying that, uh, uh, you know, okay, I'm dealing with things all right today. And then, then the next day, somebody has a little meltdown. I mean, uh, you said there's no such thing as wrong emotions. Is that, uh, you know, is that just to be expected that there will be a, uh, good and bad and bumps in the road through this? Absolutely, absolutely. And that's what we have to normalize. We have to help people see that not only are they going through this, but everyone else is. So again, when we're in it together, um, then that makes, that makes all the difference in the world. It's creating that kind of support system. That's a priority. Now, after you to shift hats here to your role as a university professor just for a moment, and all of a sudden, you know, students uh, were in the middle of their semester. They were, were sent home. They're now doing online. They've had their education uh, interrupted. Uh, many of them uh, uh, could be on the verge of uh, giving up on their dreams and, and their plans. Uh, what would you say to them? Uh, I would say that it's important for them to uh, seek out resources. Universities provide uh, lots of additional resources uh, to try and help them to transition the, during these times. Uh, in addition to that, you know, it's when I said it takes a village, I've noticed that a number of organizations have stepped up, you know, whether it's offering free internet services or if it's offering free uh, storage services because it was such a quick transition going from one day being in your dorm and, you know, having uh, 
a meal plan and you know have knowing where you were going to sleep at night uh, some of those kids in transitioning sometimes uh, they don't have those kind of resources readily available at the drop of a hat and in some ways it was a very quick transition so um, you know knowing that there are those resources out there and and you know if you know a college student then help them to identify those resources and again I think most universities are have done a good job in doing that all right. We hope that uh, folks do find a way to get back on the horse and ride after uh, all of this. And uh, we re really do appreciate uh, you joining us uh, you're from your home there in Richmond. Uh, Dr. Teresa Botts, who's a counseling psychologist and a professor of psychology at EKU. Appreciate it. And we'll be back on Kentucky Newsmakers in a moment. Welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers. Some economic relief is coming. Our national political analyst explains. Hello, I'm Greta Van Susteren, and here is your full court fast break. Early Wednesday, Congress finally coming together on a $2 trillion coronavirus bill. It is the largest stimulus package in U.S. history. This plan will offer direct payments to low and middle income Americans. How much? Americans making $75,000 a year or less will get $1,200 checks. Couples making up to $150,000 a year will get $2,400 plus an additional $500 per child. The more money you make, the less you get. Individuals making over $99,000 or couples making more than $198,000 a year won't receive any aid. Now these payments are just one part of the bill. The deal will also expand unemployment benefits and dedicate $367 billion to helping small business. Plus, it will put $500 billion in subsidized loans towards larger industries. This coronavirus package may not be the last one to make its way through Congress. House leaders reportedly expect at least two more stimulus measures in the near future. Want more Full Court Press? Tune in Sunday. We bring politics home, covering the national stories that impact you. And that'll be at 1130 on WKYT. And that's Kentucky Newsmakers. Thank you for joining us. Make it a good week ahead.